We're just going to lift out from number 6 and verse 22. This evening we're going to speak on the gospel in the Aaronic blessing. The gospel in the Aaronic blessing. Verse 22 of Numbers chapter 6. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his son, saying, On this wise shall you bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel and I will bless them. We know the Lord will bless that reading of his own divine inspired word. As I said, this is what is known as the Aaronic blessing. And Look at it, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. It's the Lord to make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. And again, the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. If you take note here that it is all of the Lord and it is the Lord's blessing that we need. We want to look at this word, especially the Lord bless thee. What exactly does that mean? What does it mean when Aaron would say to Israel, the Lord bless thee, whenever it is said to you and I this evening, in what way is this blessing come? And what does this blessing entail for each and every one of us? Man's idea of blessing, the normal, natural man, Their idea of blessing is that which can be seen with the naked eye and touched and felt with the hand of flesh. In other words, it is the the worldly things, the carnal things. It is the things that we need, even as Christians, that we need them in our lives. I thank the Lord for my car that I drove in. It's made of things of this world, of this earth. I thank the Lord of the roof over my head at night. So everything does not have a bad connotation. And everything that we receive, the Lord is blessing us. But the natural man, the natural woman thinks on this wise. So the blessings of God, naturally speaking, and his goods and gifts and graces to us are all very much appreciated. They are welcomed and the, 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 very, the very things that we need every day for the living, for life, for our family, uh, for our children. Now, we're not making little of any of those things. What we're saying is we need them as human beings. So everything is not bad, but rather there are the good things that we need are from God. Now, there's a lot of bad things in the world. We know that. But listen to James chapter 1 and verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Notice that every good and perfect gift. Think about it, brothers and sisters, just for a moment. What good and perfect gift has the Lord given to you? He's given you maybe a job. You feed your family with it. You put a roof over your head with it. 
You work and labor with your hands. He's given you the health to be able to do so and the strength to be able to do so. And sometimes we all gripe and moan, don't we? Especially when it comes back up to a Monday morning. And that Monday morning creeps up when you know you've got to get up early again and oh no, but listen, the, the job that you have or those who are unemployed or those who are unable to work with sickness would love to be in your position to be able to get up to be able to have health and strength, to be able to work and to labor with their hands in order to bring in some money, to be able to feed their children, to be able to clothe them, to to be able to put a roof over their heads. And And it's the perspective that we look upon things depending on how you see it. But every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. In other words, the the variableness and shadow of turning gives the idea of the sun coming over and you would have a shade on this side of, say, the house and the sun comes over. And as it comes over, this becomes shady then as the sun goes down and lights up the far side. The idea of this is, is there is no shade in God. God is light and in him, In him there is no darkness at all. So whatever God gives to you, he's a good father. He's a generous father. He's a giving father. He's a gracious father. And hence we must look at everything that we have is from him, that which is good and come down from him. Take note here. We praise the most high as the psalmist says, In Psalm 68 and verse 19, he daily loadeth us, notice, with benefits. He daily loadeth us with benefits. And the idea there for the word loadeth gives the idea of a pack horse or a mule or even a camel. And they used to load all their gifts, all their goods. They used to load their very tents upon their backs. And it's the same only in goodness of God, God blesses his people with goodness. God loves those whom he knows as his, and he blesses them with goodness. And hence, God wants to bless his people more than his very people even want to be blessed sometimes. But he daily loadeth us with benefits, and so we are to bless the Lord because he has first blessed us. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 22 says, the blessing of the Lord. It maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. I want to say it again, the blessing of the Lord. It, the blessing now, because it's good, because it's for your good. Everything that God does for his people are, is for their good, for your good and for mine. And so it says, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he, the Lord, addeth no sorrow with it. So if God has blessed you, if God has blessed you with health and blessed you with strength and blessed you with finance or God has blessed you with a roof over your head or a car to drive in, if God has blessed you with clothes on your back and heating for your homes, boy, it's going to take more and more blessings as the days go on, we know, but God will meet the need. God is more than able and he knows what you need and he's a good God. He's a generous God. He's a giving God, and he's a gracious God. And now we look at how the the book of Numbers chapter 6 says, The Lord bless thee, 
and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. Lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Notice, the Lord bless thee. We want to look at this a little bit further now. The Lord bless thee. When a man or a woman, when a man knows the blessing of the Lord in his life, he wants others to know the blessing of the Lord in theirs. And so he would bless that person too. When a man knows the love of God towards him, and he or she has received of that love in spite of who they are, they in return will want others to know the same love of God in their lives too. And then when a man has been a recipient of grace, when a woman has been a recipient of the grace of God, then he or she will be gracious unto others. And when a man or a woman has come to the place where they have found mercy from God, then they will also show mercy, pronouncing a blessing of mercy on a fellow sinner or offender toward them. If you get a man or a woman who are saved and they profess Christ and they talk about grace in their life and mercy and reward and they talk about the blessing of God and yet and yet show none of it to other people, then check their spirit. Check their spirit. Check their walk. If they're always crossing T's and dotting I's and wanting to pinpoint the problems in other people's lives and they want to tell others about other people how wrong they are, then check their spirit. For if you have received the love of God, you will love also. If you have received the grace of God, you will show grace also. If you have been to the place of mercy, then you will show mercy also. If you have received of the Lord that which you have received, that also you will show on to others. Notice, a man or a woman, when a man or a woman knows of the terror of God, T-E-R-R-O-R. When a man and a woman knows the terror of God, when a man and a woman knows the wrath of God, when a man and a woman knows of the judgment to come of God, then he or she will warn others of that wrath, terror, and judgment because they love God. Because they know mercy, because they have received grace, they also would know that they were in the same position, in the same place, with the same sort of heart, and they will want others to know to flee from the wrath that is to come. So when God sent his son, he sent the blessing. And we're talking about the blessing of the Lord. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. We're looking at the blessing of our material goods and we need them and we're thankful for them. We give God glory for them. We need to feed. We need to eat. We need food. 
We need the water from heaven. We need the rain to come that we might drink and be refreshed with that water. We need that. But now, when God is going to bless his people, God sent the Son and he is the blessing of God. When God sent the Son, he showed the love of God. And when God sent the Son, he extended the hand of grace from our God. And when God offered his Son, he offered mercy in the Lord Jesus Christ. So in Numbers chapter 6, and in verse 24, it says, The Lord bless thee. The Lord bless thee. Now, the word Lord there is the word Jehovah or Yahweh. Jehovah or Yahweh. Notice here, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. Now the word for bless here is a word barach. And this is what it means. To kneel down. To kneel, K-N-E-E-L. To kneel down as though in an act of adoration and worship. I want you to get this now. To kneel down as though in an act of adoration and worship. Let me show you. To kneel down as though in an act of adoration and worship. That's the idea of it. This word, Barak, when we read the sentence here of number 6 and verse 24, the Lord bless thee. What? The Lord must kneel down before you and show an act of adoration and worship? That's not what it means, by the way. But that's what some people think, that God is like their puppet, and they become God to, to formulate a God in their minds, that God is who they want him to be. And hence, they un-God God, as it were, and become the gods of their own minds. It's called idolatry. Hear the word, the Lord bless thee, does not mean God kneels down as though you or I would kneel down like I've just showed you. It does not mean that God kneels down as though he were coming to us in an act of adoration and worship. No. Let me show you this word somewhere else, and it's for you and I. In Psalm 95, verse 6 and 7. Psalm 95, verse 6 and 7. O come, let us worship and bow down. Notice, let us kneel. See the word kneel, barach. Let us kneel, notice, before the Lord our maker, for he is our God. Why do we kneel? For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. And then it goes into the old gospel saying from the new covenant, right from the Psalms, today if you hear his voice, harder not your heart. In other words, we're being called to kneel before the Lord. The call is for every single man and woman here to kneel before God, to get down on their knees in adoration, to be on their knees in worship and in thanksgiving and in praise, exalting Him and lifting Him up. We debase ourselves before the high and holy one, the God of Israel. 
notice here, we are called to worship, to bow down, and to kneel. Someone might say, how do we bless the Lord? How do we bless his name? When God is God who has everything and we receive all our things from him, how do we bless God? This is what the psalmist is saying, and Paul also says it in Ephesians chapter 1, if you'll turn with me, please. And I'll explain it to you in a moment. Ephesians chapter 1. And just let your eye run down to verse 3. Notice, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now take note of that. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now take note of this. Blessed be. There's the blessing toward God. How do we bless God? Well, the word blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is a word, yelego. Yelego. And it's made up of two words. You, as in E-U, and lego, L-E-G-O. You means good, well. Good or well. Lego means speak, to speak. Paul is saying, speak well off. Speak good off. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Speak well of him. Speak good of him. In other words, praise him, thank him, adore him, worship him, lift him up, exalt him, magnify him. Tell him what you think of him, how you love him, how grateful you are, how thankful you are. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2. So here we have, how does a man of flesh and blood, a woman of flesh and blood, how do we bless him? We bless the Lord by kneeling, worshiping, praising, and giving thanks unto him for who he is. Oh, it's good for what he gives. We love when he gives, but it's for who he is. I need you to catch this because when Aaron is blessing Israel, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. But Aaron, how can the Lord, how can he, Barach, How can he come down to kneel before us in Israel? How can he come down because he is God and we are just the sheep of his pasture? How can he come to a people here in CET? How can he meet you in your home? How would God bow before us, the Lord bless thee? You see, the Lord isn't bowing before us. The Lord comes down from heaven to us. The Lord comes down from heaven to us. The Lord bless thee. What's the greatest blessing that Israel could have had? What is the greatest blessing that you or I could ever have? Is it all the things that we have mentioned? Is it all the things of, uh, that we need for every day, as thankful and grateful as we are for them? Is that the greatest blessing? The greatest blessing that God could ever give to us, the, the real good and perfect gift which cometh down from the Father of lights, 
was his beloved son. Israel, the Lord will bless you. Oh, and we see the the Red Sea opening up and them walking through on dry ground. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Oh, the Lord will bless you. And he brings water out of a flinty rock that they all might drink. Thank you, Lord, for the water that we're drinking, that we're not going to starve nor die of thirst because the Lord blessed with manna in the wilderness every morning when they woke up. Listen, they had to go to bed. You go to bed. Maybe two or three million of them with all their animals. Where are they going to get it out in the wilderness? Get all the food or the water to feed them? They had to go to bed and their children were with them. They loved them like you love your children. What about tomorrow morning? What am I going to do tomorrow? How am I going to feed our children tomorrow? How am I going to meet the need tomorrow? And some of them would have went out and gathered up a wee bit more for tomorrow and it was stinking with worms by the time they got up the next day. But the Lord said, you, you collect for this day and leave tomorrow up to me. You collect for today and leave tomorrow up to me. And so they go to bed every night and they, as it were, in their tents, they tuck in their children and they're all sleeping. In the morning when they waken up, there upon the whole face of the ground was this thing called manna. You know what manna means? What is it? (laughs) The bread from heaven. They called it, what is it? So they come out of their tents in the morning. What is it? All over the ground. See, brothers and sisters, understand this. Whenever you are sleeping, the ovens in heaven are still baking. When Israel were sleeping, the ovens in heaven were baking. And when they get up in the morning, fresh bread. I don't know how I'm going to meet the need. I don't know how we're going to pay this bill. I don't know how we're going to do this, that, or the other. I don't know how we're going to work this work. I don't know what we're going to do. And as a pastor, that's my life. That's my life. And I'm sure it's your life on many occasions too. But I can tell you, when I rest my all in him, as Glenn said this morning, my vision goes to the, to the groves and, the, uh, 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 and it goes to the other altars sometimes. Lord, what about here and what about there? The Lord says, you trust me. Now here's a word for somebody, maybe for us all. The Lord said, you trust me. You rest in me. You put your head down. And you rest and leave it up to me. And I will meet your need. When you go to bed, the ovens in heaven, while you're sleeping, the ovens in heaven are still baking. You get up in the morning and you're surprised, you're gobsmacked, you're bamboozled, transmogrified, as they say. And you open the tents of your curtain in the morning and lo and behold, whatever way he's done it, God has met the need. God has met the need and you'd be like Israel coming out in the morning and they open the tent doors. What are we going to do today? What is it? What's this? Fresh bread delivered to your door. You see, when the ovens of heaven are baking, you can rest assured. You can Rest assured that God will send you 
every good and perfect gift. And there's no variableness with him. He won't let you down. Neither is there any shadow of turning. He's a good God. He's gracious and he's kind. And how do we, how do we bless God? Will we praise him? Generally, it's because of what he does for us. Generally. What he gives to us. But rather, we should praise him for who he is to us. For who he is to us. Notice here, in Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2. David says, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. You underline in your Bible the word because. First one, because. First two, because. I love the Lord because. I love the Lord, first two, because. You see, for us, in our depraved, carnal state of nature, God must deposit into the bank of depravity before depravity can understand the gravity of God's giving. And I love the Lord. I'd love to stop there and say that. I'd love to be able to stop there and say that. I love you, Lord, because. I love you, Lord, because. And listen, if you don't answer my prayer my way, maybe I won't love you the way I should anymore. And Glenn was on it this morning. I thought he was going to steal my thunder. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. I love the Lord because, says the psalmist. This is the, this is the inspired psalmist, the king of Israel himself. He's saying, I only love you because of what you've done for me. And I only love you because of what you've given to me. And brothers and sisters, and all truth be told, those of us who are saved, we only love him because he first came into our lives. Because he sent his son to die for us. You know what he sent? The bread of life. The Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. I think it's sad, but it's on our part. I think it's tragic, and it's on our part. I think it's miserable, but it's on our part. Shows us how weak we are. Shows us the depths of our inability to save ourselves, whether it's through religion or anything else. We cannot save ourselves, but he left heaven, came and paid our debt on Calvary, and he sent forth his spirit to regenerate your heart, to call you, to show you your need of a savior, your inability to save yourself, but he showed you the Christ on the cross. I love him. Because he first loved me. I love him. I love him. Because 
He first loved me and purchased my salvation on Mount Calvary. Who knows that? We've heard that wee song before. A few of us. Wow. That's how you know I'm getting old whenever I'm... <laughs> When you remember, you, you know them and nobody else hardly knows them. I love him. I love him. Because he first loved me. And purchased my salvation on Mount Calvary. Isn't he lovely? He's absolutely beautiful. He is the chiefest among any 10,000. I love him because so while we bless God by our kneeling down in adoration, while we bless God by our bowing before him, while we bless him, we bless God because he first blessed us. Can I ask you a question? When we were singing earlier, did you mean it? Did you mean it from your heart when you're singing? When you sing these songs and these courses, do you mean it from your heart? And when we sang that course there, and to all here and anyone else listening, I apologize for my voice, but it says make a joyful noise. And I, I, I take that literally. But did you mean it? I love him. I love him because he first loved me. It's me somewhere that none other can. Spirit of God witnessing in the heart that I love him. We'll sing it one more time. You'll know it by now, won't you? I love him. I love him. Because he first loved me and purchased my salvation on Mount Calvary. We thank you, Father, that you loved us first. We thank you, Lord. Before the earth was formed, you loved us. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you give us to your Son. We thank you, Lord, you came and you carried out your Father's will. You carried it out to the fullest. And there you cried, it is finished. We praise you, we bless you, and we exalt you and magnify you tonight. Oh, for your good and your great and your greatly to be praised. Lord, we'll love you because you first loved us. Help us, Lord, to love you more.
Help us, Lord, to serve you better. Help us, Lord, and give us faithful hearts of service and help us, Lord, to adore your Son. We pray, Holy Spirit, you would help us in our frailties to adore the Christ of God, the only begotten of the Father. And may he be exalted in our lives. We bless you. So while we are blessing God, will you turn with me, please, to Psalm 113. Psalm 113. I was writing this while you're looking it up. I was writing this, and as I was writing it down, as I was writing it, I just just fell in love with him all over again. I just keep loving him over and over again. And I went for a walk. I told you this morning, somewhere here this morning, I went for a walk with my dog. Dear love him, he's near 12, and I walked him six miles. And I don't know where he was more tired than me or I was than him. And I just walked and I talked to the Lord for six miles. Made me think of the two on the road to Emmaus. From Jerusalem to Emmaus, and a stranger comes along and he says, Why, why are you so sad? They said, Do you not know what's happened in Jerusalem? The one who said he'd be the Messiah, the king has come. But he's, he's been crucified and he's died. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. And he walked with them and gave them a Bible study for seven miles. It's a seven mile journey. And it's only when he started to break the bread of life to them. He broke the bread and he gave it to them and they realized it was the Lord. Surely it must have been the nail prints in his hands when he gave them the bread. Surely it must have been those marks where the, the Roman soldiers had driven the nails, those pegs right through, those large nails, as he broke it, they, they would have seen it in his hands. Surely that must have been what gave him away. But they realized that with these marks in his hands, this is the one who died for me. This is the one who shed his blood for me. Psalm 113, please. Notice, praise ye the Lord. See the word praise, it's the word halal. Halal. And it gives the idea to to swell up, to cause one to shine. (laughs) You know when you're encouraging maybe your your son or your daughter or your child because they've done something. You're, you're, you're fantastic. You're great at doing that. You spoke so well. You've done that so great. And you see the big smile on their face. And that's the idea of this. And the psalmist is saying, praise ye Yah, or Jehovah, Yahweh. In other words, come to him and, and, and what you say, cause him to shine. What you say, Cause him to shine in in front of everybody else. In our lives. In our homes. In our workplace. In the streets, in the towns, in the villages. In the city centers, wherever we may be. In the church assembly. Praise him because his glory shines when we praise him. And the psalmist is calling us, praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Lift up his name. 
Bless his name. Speak well of our God. Lift high the name of Jesus and exalt him as Messiah, as Savior, as Redeemer, as Master, as King of kings and Lord of lords. Lift him up. Notice this. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth forevermore. If you've never got into the place where you really praise him from your heart, if you've never got into the place where you've really truly worshipped him and adored him from the deep innermost recesses of your being, then he says from this time tonight, You're called to the place of praise. You're called to be the blessing. You're called to speak well of him. You're called to exalt his name. You're called to lift him up. And he says, from this time, may this be a time, brother, may this be a time, sister, when CET starts to lift up the name of Jesus more, starts to magnify Christ more. Do you know, a couple of weeks ago, and I don't usually do this, I never go to these, but I was bought a wee ticket and I enjoyed my night, but I went to a, a concert. I don't usually go to a Christian concert. Like. I usually don't, because I'm not a big music fan in the sense where you, Christian music, I, I listen to sermons all day. I don't listen really to music. I go to bed with, my, with earphones in, with the iPad down the side of my bed, closed, and a preacher on my ears, and I fall asleep like that every single night. Every single, that's how I fall asleep every night. Every night. Also, I'll tell you, every single night. You go to my car, there's a preacher on. But the Word of God. God's speaking to me. We brought this concert. We had these big screens. And that which they were showing on the stage was on the screen so they could see it away at the back. And it magnified the men and women on the stage. Magnified them. Blows them up so as you can see them easy. And that's the idea of magnifying the Lord. That in our lives to praise him, we should magnify him. Make him big. In the sense that he's big where he fills universe, space, and time. Don't get me wrong. But in the, in the eyes of the world, do you know what's wrong with the world? Do you, know why, do you know why the world is able to shut down the church? Do you know why the world was able to shut up the church? I'm talking about in general now. Do you know why the world was able to mask up the church? Do you know why all those things were so easy? Because the church forgets how big your God is. church has shrunken God down to the size of man's opinion. The church has brought the great eternal spirit, the great I am, the ancient of days, and shrunken them down to the, the theology of man's thinking. The church should have been standing up and standing out and magnifying the Lord the whole way through. Lifting up the name of Jesus on high and praising him with all of our hearts. Do you know why the name of Jesus isn't allowed in your workplaces anymore? Because the church brought him down to this size. He's only a Jesus with a small J. He's God with a small G. 
But to me, I'll speak about me. No, he's not. He's still, to me, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What do you say, church? He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Notice this. I'm getting sidetracked. I better get down to this. Notice this. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. So uh, if you want from New Zealand in the east to the, to the going down in the far western coast of the United States, we, the Lord's name is praised all around the world the whole day. But for you and I, we, were to, we are to praise the Lord. We are to live our lives that praises him and exalts him. I was going to say something, but I'll get myself into trouble. I think I'll hang on. I'll say, I'll say it anyway. Brothers and sisters, I don't mean to offend. But if people look at the church, I remember I worked with this woman before I was saved. She claimed to be a Christian. And she had a face on her like a lurgan spade. She never smiled. Her face was the length of a horse's head. She was always, you know, really down. That's the truth. She would put you off. She'd put you off. There's no life in her. There's no joy in her. There's no power behind her. There's nothing in her. No anointing with her. You talked, there was always moan. It was groan. It was gripe. It was fight. It was argue with everybody in work. Honestly, it was just, it was, it was terrible. And I used to think, who would ever want to be a Christian? Somebody like your woman. I'm not saying we're always to have a smile on our face and be floating about in clouds. We're grounded. This is what I am saying. For someone who knows the love and the joy, someone who has received the blessing, someone who knows of the gift of grace, and someone who has received mercy from God, surely they should be around with, with some sort of vigor and dunction of the Spirit in them to be able to say, listen, let me tell you about Christ. Someone struggling, someone in deep sin. See her man up there? This was a type of her. Always pointing people's faults out. Always. Brothers and sisters, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness and temperance against such there is no law Paul says in other words if we if we are, are producing the fruit in our life if we're producing this then that shows a proof of the Holy Ghost within us I better round this up to close it notice here Psalm 113 Verse 4. The Lord is high above all nations. I want you to note this. 
The Lord is high above all nations and his glory, his glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high? If you're taking notes there, verses 4 and 5, you read there, you write there, from glory on high. From glory on high. And then when we go to verse 6, who humbleth himself to behold things that are in heaven. Notice, he humbles himself to behold things that are in heaven. I want to say it what the psalmist says again. He humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven. He stoops to the very angels. He's not kneeling in adoration. He's stooping in power. He's stooping in authority to the very angels of heaven. They cannot attain him. They cannot reach him. He stoops to behold He humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven. Notice, and and in the earth. So, here's the thing. He humbles himself to the things that are in heaven and in the earth. You write there, the fallen below. The fallen below. So the Lord is from glory on high. He comes to the fallen below. Verse 7, he raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill. Now he's getting into our mire. He's getting right down into the dirt with us. He hath brought me up also out of an horrible pit from the merry clay. He set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. He put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and shall fear and shall trust in the Lord. That's a testimony of a life of ruin where Christ has got down into the pit of despair. In the pits of depression, he's come into the pit of sin and he's dug us out from his glory on high to the fallen beneath. And you can write there in verse 7, to the depraved, to the fallen below, to the depraved beneath. Comes right into the depraved. Do you know those of life and those of living, those of your society and my society, those who people think there's no hope for them? People think that God would never want them nor want to save them. That God would turn him or her away. He came to a woman who had five husbands. She was on number six. And he came and he rescued her. He came and he rescued her. He came to the demoniac and he set him free from the devils. He came to the, the tax collectors who robbed the people he bowed down, as it were, he humbled himself to save them. The worst of the worst, the vilest of the vile, the lowest of the low of society. And Christ came into the world to save sinners. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. You see, Aaron, the Lord bless thee. How will he bless us with material goods, with the Red Sea, with the dry ground, with the manna, with the water? What about the quail, the victories in battle? Oh, these are all great things. The, the walls of Jericho falling down with, with wisdom of Solomon and, and, the, and, and the wonderful uh, uh, army of David and, and his mighty men. God's blessed. Oh, why God's blessed. But no, the blessing was to come. All of those are good, but the blessing comes when a man and woman knows Christ. 
The blessing comes when Christ comes into the life. And they don't say, ah, I'm too bad. (laughs) Listen, the old old saying is by many of us all, before we were saved, if I went into a church, uh, the church would fall down around me. Listen, I want you to know, you walk into this tent and it won't go on fire no matter how deep died you are in sin. Because I know a saviour. I know a saviour who shed his blood for you. Verse 7 is to the depraved beneath and verse 8. Then he may set him with, with princes. This is the mission of the Messiah in this, this psalm. You write that down beneath it. The mission of the Messiah. That he may set us with princes. He came into my muck and into my mire, and he set me with princes. Who's the princes? All those who are saved and washed in the blood. And you can write there that he set him with princes, even with, even with the princes of his people. You write there to raise them up that they might praise him. Princes to praise. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. And he says, why don't you praise him? Praise him. Praise him for what you have. Praise him for what you haven't had yet. Praise him for what he's going to do. But praise him for who he is. I have to close this. Listen to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. Listen, I... I think of Peter, you know, and the Lord called him. He says, Lord, we have left all. We have left all and we have followed thee. See, if I was there, I would have slapped Peter around the head for saying nothing. And I stood him to his face. You've left all to follow him. Peter, you've left all to follow Christ. Well, you see, if I was to get saved, I have to leave my friends or my drink or my whatever it is you take or whatever you're doing, and I have to leave this, that, or the other. And Listen, see, when you follow Christ, when Christ calls you and you follow him, you don't want all of those things. You just want him. All you want is him. I don't get the world when they want, I don't get the Christian when they want the world on Christ. I don't get it. Peter, you left all. You left the world for what? With all the trouble in it? With all the debauchery in it? This world's filthy and stinking. Do you know that? This world is rotten and it's putrid. I hate this world. I wish the Lord would come right now and just take me. We'd all just go into his kingdom together. You left what, Peter? One of the old Puritans says, to leave the world for Christ is to leave a trifle for a treasure. This world's like a trifle. It may taste your buds at times and feed your flesh, but Christ is the treasure. 
Christ is the treasure. Listen to Thomas Watson. Speaking of the Lord, he gives them three jewels worth more than heaven. Three jewels worth more than heaven. The blood of his son, the grace of his spirit, and the light of his countenance. Now as we close this, look at this. Number six. And in verse 24, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. You can write there, he saves and he keeps. He saves and he keeps. In verse 25, the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. You can write right there, he reveals and he heals. He reveals himself through the face of Christ. And he heals the brokenhearted and binds up our wounds. He heals the sin-sick soul. In verse 26, the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. You can write there, he moves, he lifts up his countenance. By the way, see the word lift up? You know what the word there is? Nasa. You know the spaceship Nasa? That's where they get the word from. You know whenever they send up the astronauts, the space agency, Nasa, they get it from being lifted up. It's like, but this is man lifting up himself before God. Here God lifts up his countenance to look upon his people. The word face in verse 25 and the word countenance in verse 26 are the exact same. They are the word panim and there's a second entry in the Hebrew and it's the word peniel or panile. And it means his presence, his face. That part which turns. So, you're coming up to the road. You stop at the road and you, just in case there's a car coming, you're turning. That's the panim or the peniel, peniel. That part which turns. And when we are blessing him, We're on our knees, as it were. We're standing, praising from our heart, worshiping the Lord. His presence, people say, did you feel, did you experience, were you aware of that meeting in the presence of the Lord? Absolutely, yes, I was. That's the name of God. That's him lifting up his face to shine on you. It's like, we know God is is omnipresent, but it's the idea of he concentrates or he comes and He moves into an assembly or a life or a heart to bless. To bless them. And when we're singing and our hearts are rejoicing and we're singing unto the Lord, he comes in as it were. He turns his face to the church. He turns his face when we're praising and to the heart that will cry unto him for mercy who knows not the Lord Jesus Christ as their own Lord and personal Savior. Tonight he will turn his face to you that you might be saved. The Lord says in Hosea 13 and 9, O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. Imagine, what hope is there for our country? What hope is there for Ulster? What hope is there for England, Scotland, and Wales, or Ireland? What, what hope is there? The hope is Christ. 
Andrew actually mentioned it this morning. It's not in the politicians. Our hope isn't in some big uprising movement. All the things they'll bring in here and all the things they're trying to do and all the elitists and what they're trying to put upon our nation and the world and all of those things. Our hope isn't in everyone and anything else. Our hope is in the Lord. So write this. This is the last. Number 6 and 24. Yahweh the Father. He is the source of all blessing. In number 6 and verse 25, Yahweh the Son, He is the channel of the Father's blessing. Number 6 and 26, Yahweh the Spirit, He is the imparter of that blessing. The Father thought it. The Son brought it. The Holy Spirit wrought it. The prophets spoke it. The apostles taught it. And I've got it. (laughs) And so have you. And I've got it. Have you? Are you saved? Are you saved? The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord to make his face to shine on thee. What do you mean the Lord bless you? The Lord came down from heaven. Him right past, as it were, the angels of glory, right through time and eternity into a little manger, walked this scene of time, became a man, and he hung and bled and died on Calvary's tree, that you might be saved. Now, here's what I'll ask you. What would you give to the Lord for your salvation (laughs) since he sent his son, and that's what it took to redeem your soul? What would you offer him? What have you got to offer him? The answer is nothing. Not a thing. So may God bless you tonight. God bless his word to our hearts tonight. For Jesus' name's sake. Amen. Lord bless you. Take me to come up, please.